0: All right, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. I'm still holding out hope that uh, we will get our church to the point where we will be singing so loud that uh, when you go to work on Monday, you'll say, oh, my voice is strained a little bit because I sang so loudly in church on Sunday. Uh, So we could use some vocal straining uh, here as well. Uh, But I understand uh, sometimes it's it's a little difficult uh, if you don't uh, feel like, you're uh, very good at singing sometimes it's easy to sing a little bit lower but uh what i hope is we'll get to the point where uh we'll just love each other so much and love the lord so much that we won't worry what other people might think of our voice we'll just for praise to god and enjoy of being together with god's people we'll just let it fly and uh you know what even those uh notes that you don't quite hit are beautiful they're beautiful and i'm uh, very thankful for that if you have your Bibles uh, hopefully you're already there at Romans chapter uh, 12 in verses 1 and two we had a chance to uh, look at uh, the book of Ephesians in seven weeks and uh, I really enjoyed that uh, learned some new things about the new humanity that we are in Christ and hopefully I fired you up uh, not me should say the Word of God fired you up uh, to say I want to seek with all uh, my eyes now wide open through Jesus Christ to see the new humanity that uh, God is recreating us in for his glory, showing the world a display of his manifold wisdom. And uh, that's what we get to be as uh, God's people, and especially as uh, we gather together in the local churches to do that. And so uh, I hope you just keep on studying. I hope you got fired up and said, you know, I'm going to study this book all over again uh, just on my own, and uh, that'd be great. Uh, so I was trying to give you a taste of the beauties of God's Word, and you know that's something that's uh, I want uh, always to be distinctive about Faith Baptist Church. Uh, we don't preach about the Bible; we preach the Bible. Uh, our goal is to preach the Word of God. We preach through an entire book in seven weeks, and I know that in itself is a miracle. If you know me, uh, we will get back to the Book of Acts, but uh, something I also like to do is to take time to stop and look at uh, everyday Christian life issues. Uh, I can call it uh, counseling from the pulpit. Uh, and so, there's times we need to stop and kind of look at things, and that are helpful, I hope. And I want to do more of that in upcoming days. Uh, take uh, every so many weeks, maybe four or five, six, every six weeks, to, uh, stop and look at a, a, an issue that we all struggle with that we can get some counseling on. And uh, so, if you're in the book of Romans, chapter 12, we're going to read verses one and two. And this by, by virtue of the fact that uh, it is. Um, kind of a topical message. We will have to move to other passages, but I hope we uh, build on a good understanding of God's Word, uh, using it in context, using it so that you may understand. And uh, I have a resource for you when this is all done. it's It's actually on the back table. I hope that will be helpful for you. All right, Romans chapter 12, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we want to know your will, Uh, Lord, you have revealed yourself in your word, and uh, Lord, the Spirit uh, makes you knowable, and you have been pleased to be knowable, uh, not to be far removed from your people, but for your people to understand and love you because they know you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to know you better, to know your will, and to rejoice in that knowledge, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, How do I know God's will for my life? That's a big question. Should I have Cheerios or avocado toast this morning for breakfast? Uh, you say, wait a minute, when I'm talking about knowing the will of God, I'm thinking about things a little bit more uh, high dollar uh, or uh, big ticket items. We're talking about things like, hey, should I marry this person? Should I move to this place? Should I take this new job? Should I buy this car? Uh, There's a lot of questions we have uh, about, uh, Lord, should I do this? Um, When I was a youth pastor, I actually had a lot of young people that would come to me, usually right around that junior, senior year, and they'd say, Uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy, I'm about ready to graduate, and how do I know what God wants me to do? You know, I'm praying about how does God, what does He want me to do? And then we went to Bible college, and we also had a lot of the same questions. Uh, We were starting to meet uh, young men. We're meeting young ladies and wondering, is this the God's will for my life? And uh, young women were meeting young men and saying, hey, is this who you would want me to marry? And Uh, We were looking at our first ministries. God, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to be a missionary? Do you want me to be a pastor, an evangelist? What do you want me to do, Lord? And those are good-hearted questions. They're important questions because they're revealing a heart that wants to do what God wants us to do. And that's a good thing. We should always have that sensitivity to, to the Holy Spirit and wanting to do what He wants us to do. What I'm hoping is to kind of demystify and maybe clarify the subject a little bit for you. But I'll tell you what I will, won't be able to do is if you come to me and say, hey, is it God's will for me to take this new job? I can't tell you if it is. I, I can show you biblical principles so you can begin to look at whether or not that job is the right thing for you or not. But I can't tell you. And sometimes it would be just easier. Someone just tell me what to do. Uh, I'll tell you a story. I remember before I moved to the Kansas City area, Uh, I knew God had very clearly wanted us, it was time for us to go, and I had several ministry opportunities, and I didn't know exactly which one. I figured, well, I I know that it's time to go, but I I don't know exactly which opportunity God wants me to take, but he'll show me. And the time got closer and closer, and I was praying pretty desperately at that point. Lord, please show me, I I really need to know, because people are asking me, so what are you doing? And still, no direct answer. And finally, it came to the day we were moving We were packing up the truck, and I had friends coming by. I said, so where are you guys moving to? I was like, I don't know. And I felt like such a weirdo (laughs) because I was like, Lord, I I know that that you want us to go. That I'm clear on. But what I don't know is exactly where. And now people are looking at me like, are you for real? You don't know where you're going? I said, I don't. I said, I just sort of thought that God was going to show me when the time came. And so we were literally packing up the truck, and my mind was elsewhere. I mean, I'm telling you, I was really nervous. And finally uh someone came up to me and says, You look like your heart is really heavy right now. Why don't you go take a walk and talk to the Lord? <laughs> and I was like, Good, good, because you're not much help to us right now. You're just doing you're wandering around like like a person who's lost. So just go, you know, go take a walk and talk to the Lord. Okay, so I did. And uh, I got some counsel and uh and so I started was praying on that and I said like, and finally a, a good friend said, actually it was my father-in-law, said, uh, I said, like, I don't know what to do, and I I really hate asking you this question, because you're probably thinking, you married my daughter, and you don't even know where you're going? You you weirdo. <laughs> you're going to ruin everything. And, and, but he didn't. He said, you know what, Jeremy? You don't need to worry about this. Uh, what do you know God wants you to do next? And I said, well, what I know is that uh, my parents are going to give us uh, some furniture, and so we're going to go pick that up in Ohio on our way to some other place. He goes, well, then go to Ohio get the furniture, furniture, and God will show you what to do next. I'm like, I can't, for how long? He's like, God will show you. Just trust the Lord. And that's what I did. I went there, and I won't give you the whole story, but just through a series of events, God showed us very clearly what to do next. And within just a short period of time, uh, we were here, moved, had an apartment, and had a job. And uh, it was uh, frightening. uh, It was encouraging. And and you say, is that the way it is every time? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but, but here's something that we need to keep in mind, is God's not in the business of hiding of his, his will. He's in the business of revealing it. And the truth is, about 99% of the stuff that God wants us to do is just found in his word. And we can just seek that, and God shows us. And then there's times in which, because God is, has a worldwide, history-wide, redemptive plan He does use people like us to share the gospel and people come. And so I think he does move his people to carry out those redemptive purposes, but not only just to come to Christ, but also to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, God will will put us in situations and bring people into our lives that will help us grow in the Lord because it's God's will that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so God does move that. And So we need to be willing to say, Okay, God, how do you want to use me in that plan to minister to other people and to share the gospel and to be part of what you're doing? So, there is going to be some ways in which God's going to move in very specific ways, but you know what? Most of what we do is just follow God's Word, and as we do that, then God steers us. You go the right direction, and God can make little course corrections and take you exactly where you need to be. So, what I find is this. There's several different kinds of people. Now, again, I'm not trying to pigeonhole anyone in being one certain thing. What I'm trying to say is there is a range here of people in your personalities, but you do have people... That are kind of carefree about it. They don't really think much about knowing or doing God's will. It's just not something that's on their radar. They mostly just do what's right based on what their gut feeling is in the moment. And so that, that is a, an approach some people take. Uh, is that a good one? I would say no. <laughs> that is not a good one. But then kind of on the other side, there's sort of a mystical view And that's where people are constantly trying to find God's will, or they talk about, I want to be in the center of God's will. And sometimes they even worry that somehow they're going to miss God's will. Uh, They they look then sometimes for mystical guidance. Uh, They look for signs uh, like casting lots or putting out a Gideon's fleece or trying to discern their circumstances or look for just a kind of a subjective inner feeling of affirmation. What we have to be careful is these things are subjective, and uh, we don't want to rely on th- these kinds of things in order to understand God's will. And so I think there's a third way that is biblical. And again, a lot of times people are a mixture of the two. <laughs> they, they, sometimes they don't even think about it, and then other times they're like, oh, I, you know, uh, something as bizarre as saying, okay, Lord, if it's your will for me to do this thing, uh, I pray that the the when I come up to the light, it'll immediately turn green, and that, that'll be a green go. So, I'm supposed to go there in my life. I'm supposed to take that new job or do that new thing. Don't do that to yourself. It will it will be maddening. And plus, you don't really, uh, you can't have confidence that you know how to discern those things anyway. Uh, and that's not how God usually works. So, let's let's talk a little bit about this. Now, there's two passages I want to look at primarily. Notice, What it says here is he says, I'm beseeching you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is uh, holy and acceptable unto God. We get the imagery here, okay? The Old Testament sacrifices were dedicated unto God. Now, I'm not going to go into great depth about all the different sacrifices, which ones he's talking about. I'm going to talk generally because there's a lot of principles I would like to kind of introduce to you or hopefully uh, maybe uh, reaffirm in your heart. Uh, But what we do know is this is that God wants us to commit ourselves to doing his will, right? That much we know. Uh, What he doesn't want us to do is say, well, Lord, I'm going to govern this part of my life, and then there's parts of it that I'm going to give to you, and there's uh, certain maybe moments, and maybe in a crisis I'll give uh, you this portion of my life, but mostly I just want to kind of live life my way, and then maybe give you pieces of it. That's not what it says. It says to give your life, your whole life, as a living sacrifice unto God. You know, the sacrifices were usually killed, and, uh, you know, the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat or things of that nature. And he's saying, no, I want you to live and be a sacrifice. And he says, as it continues on, he says, for this is your reasonable service. And again, he uses a, a word for worship here. He's saying it this way, this is how God wants you to worship him. He wants you to worship him by coming and saying, Lord, everything I am, everything I have belongs to you. Nothing is mine, it's all yours. That means whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do, because it all belongs to you. And then it goes on and says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you remember our Ephesian studies, what it says to put off the old man, renew, become renewed in your mind, and put on the new man. How do we renew the mind? God's word. God's word. It changes our thinking to be God's thinking. We start to take on God's thoughts, right, through his word. Be transformed by having your mind renewed. Then you will be able to approve what is God's will, and God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, it's not saying I'm finding God's perfect will. It's saying God's will is always perfect, and as you renew your mind, you're going to be able to see clearly what God's will is. God will open up His Word through the Spirit, apply it to your life, you're going to obey that, and then as you're doing that, God will just make the course corrections He needs. Really, there's no reason to worry about it and fret about it. If you're committed to God, God will make sure you get there. Why? Because God is sovereign, right? God is working His will out, and we just to get, to get to be part of it, so He's more interested in you knowing and doing His will than even you are. <laughs> he wants to glorify His Name and bring us good in His will. Now, having looked at that passage, I want you to go back to a passage in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. And you're like, oh no, not Ephesians again. I knew it. You couldn't do it in seven weeks. (laughs) Well, I did do it in seven weeks. And I'm just going to remind you of this because I've already had a chance to teach on it, right? And so hopefully uh, you'll already understand some of the themes in here. In chapter 5, verse 15, He tells us how we can walk not only in love, he says earlier, he says to walk in light. And then he says, now I want you to walk wisely. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. Remember what circumspectly means? It means cautiously, carefully, or can we say it this way? Intentionally, with intentionality, okay? He says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days in which we live are evil. If you don't live intentionally by applying God, letting the Holy Spirit transform you to the image of Christ through His Word, then you're going to just default into the world's thinking. Okay, let's just get something really, really clear. Our thinking is naturally wrong. It has to be changed into what is right. You say, well, I'm a Christian though. Yes, You have been given a new nature, and you've been given the Holy Spirit, but that does not mean that you know all of what God wants us to do and be. Not yet. That's a process. That's called progressive sanctification. The process of becoming like Jesus Christ is a continual process of mind renewal, right? And so that's what's happening here. And so uh, the days are evil. We're going to default to wrong thinking. We are born with wrong thinking. Even though we're Christians, we've not completely half-correct thinking yet. That becomes a process. He says, therefore, don't be unwise, but understand, here's that phrase again, what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which if you compare to Colossians, he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, Let God's word fill your heart, and then speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the point of the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is not just singing. It's singing truth so that you know who God is, and your mind is being renewed to be like his. Then he says, you're giving thanks always for all things, and then verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So it's going to give us a couple principles that are going to help us, okay? Okay. Uh, number one is we need to walk intentionally and wisely. We need to understand that we don't have yet, we don't yet have wisdom. We need to fill our hearts with wisdom, and just because our hearts are filled with wisdom doesn't mean you are yet living wisdom. You see, it's a process where we put truth in our minds. It begins to transform the way we even see the world around us, how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see our neighbor. Everything around us begins to change, and we begin to say, wait a minute, I used to think this way, but this isn't right. According to the Bible, and it begins to transform. It begins to renew. And then we start to think wisely God's thoughts. Then intentionally, making the most of every opportunity. Think of it this way, First Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the the glory of God, right? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What is God's will? For you to walk in His glory, to reflect the glory of God. And so, we walk wisely, we walk intentionally. And how does that happen? Because we walk in the Spirit. Now, here again, this is very important. It is not rocket science. What really, really worries me is when I hear Christians say, I'm praying for God's will. I'm praying for God's will. I'm just looking for him to show me. And I'll say, are you in the word every day? No, no, because I'm trying to find God's will. I'm like, 99% of the will is right there in his word. And if you do that, you're already going in the right direction. He can make little course corrections, but if you're not going the right direction, and then it gets worse. I actually have people say, I've been praying about this, and God told me to do this. And it is not supportable in Scripture. As a matter of fact, sometimes it is against Scripture. And I'll say, I know God didn't tell you that. Well, how do you know God's will for my life? I say, because God never said that. a matter of fact, he said this instead. He said something else than what you said. Uh, I've had people, um, several times there's been young ladies who come to me uh, as a youth pastor and say, uh, or as a pastor and say, hey, I know it's God's will for me to date this young man or this, to marry this man. And I'll say, are they a believer? And they'll say, well, no, but I have prayed about it and God wants me to do it. And I'll say, I will promise you it's not God's will. I know absolutely, without exception, exactly what God's will is for you in that case. And they'll say, how can you know? I say, because God says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You can't marry an unbeliever. You should not be dating an unbeliever. God already made that clear. And where God makes things clear, you don't get to say, well, I think God's telling me otherwise. That is dangerous. And so this subjective idea of like, well, I'm praying and God is showing me is super dangerous. Get in the word of God, follow everything that God says, let the Holy Spirit transform you, and then watch him take those truths and say, okay, now I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And make those little course corrections so that he can work, in, work through you to share the gospel and bring people to himself so he can minister and serve in other people's lives so that they can be strengthened in their faith. God will use us for those things. But notice it also says to walk together. It says, <clears throat> speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns. Oh, that means just letting people hear me sing. Actually, it says, singing making melody in your heart. You think, wait a minute. You mean I'm not supposed to sing out loud? No. Here's the thing is, we are speaking to one another. The key to that passage is not the music. The key to that passage is the truth, the subject of what we're saying. And that's why Colossians 3 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let your, word, let your heart be overflowing with truth so that as you speak to each other, you're letting truth come out. And then he says, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. And all of this in the context of Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, which is what? To endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. So what am I saying here is we walk in wisdom together. What I often see is this, is people say, well, God's telling me this. God's telling me this. And people in the church will come along around inside and say, hey, are you sure you're, are you sure you're really looking at that correctly? Nope, nope. God's going to tell me, not you. I know God's will. You can't tell me. But then why does it say, speaking to one another the truth, in context of the will of God? And then he goes on to say, submitting yourselves one to another. All in the context of Ephesians 1, 4, 1 through 16. You see, there's a certain, there's a certain protection when you're in a local church, and people will surround you with truth, and so if you start to get off, because you know what, here's the thing is, do you know even pastors can get off track? Even pastors can get off track, and they can start to go, that's why I'm thankful that I have a group of men around me that will speak truth into my life, and if I start to get off, they'll say, what does God's word say? That's awesome. I need that because I can be wrong. But there's a protection of people. The heart is desperately wicked, right? It's it's not infallible. God's word is infallible. And God will use other people to help me see uh, clearly. Okay? Uh, So we walk together. And it starts by giving ourselves to Christ. To commit ourselves to him. And I'm going to have to look here, okay? Because... Uh, we can know and do God's will through spirit-directed obedience to his word. That's really what I want to seal in your hearts today. Commit to knowing and doing the will of God. That's the easy part. Uh, Well, you know, uh, that's the part we should start with, I should say. And then secondly, seek Christ in his word in prayer. Now, before I say that, let me just encourage you to check your motives, okay? So if you're trying to decide on something to do, ask yourself, why do I want to do this? What is the reason why? And see, we want to check not only just in the big context of, is this biblical or unbiblical? We should be examining our motives. Is my, are my motives biblical or unbiblical? Is the reason I'm doing this? And we use the explicit and the implicit word of God. And you say, what is that? Explicit, X out, easy. Explicit says, is where God says, be holy for I am holy. I wonder if I should be holy. Be holy for I am holy. I wonder if I should love the, my brethren. Love the brothers. <laughs> you know, we don't have to debate about this. We don't have to wonder. This is the will of God, even your sanctifi- This is the will of God, your sanctification. That you should abstain from fornication. I wonder if I should live holy and not be involved in sexual immorality. What does God's word say? Abstain from fornication. It, those things are really, really easy. That's explicit. It is commands. Then implicit is this: there are principles in God's word that you can also apply like you say well how i'm praying if god wants me to buy this car or not but uh there weren't even cars in the bible (laughs) you see uh then you begin to look at principles someone asked me should i buy this car and i would say this number one is it a toyota no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what you would say this well well what does the bible say about finances Uh, can you afford this okay why do you want the car? Is it because you, you just want to have something new, that, or does it show the wisdom that covetousness is not gripping your heart, but you, you simply want to live for God's glory? I mean, so there's principles that would lead up to that, and what I find is I'm not even needing to decide on, a, on this car or not. It's because God's already talked to me about some other issues in my life, and I say, oh, I think I have, want this for the wrong reason. Now, if you're looking at buying a new car, don't say, well, I guess I got to give that up. No, <laughs> you do. You, you search God's word and you discover for yourself. What I'm saying is there's times in which God will speak just through the very plain things as we look at our motives. But seek Christ in his word. And let me say this. If you're seeking Christ every day, and that is the direction and the trajectory of your heart, God's going to keep on moving you in that direction, Right? If you're you're saying, God, i want to do your will, so wherever I read God's word daily, I I study it, I understand it in context, and so I'm obeying it by the power of the Spirit, not perfectly, but I seeked it, you know what's going to happen? Is you're already heading toward God's will. It's really easy for him. You're moving in the right direction, and you're moving. You're not just sitting there going, I wonder. You're moving in the right direction, and God will just continue to steer you. Um. The key here is God's Word. Psalm 119, if you want to wonder if, ever wonder if the Bible should be the main rule for your faith, if it should be the, the main instructor of your heart, read Psalm 119. It'll make it very clear to you. <laughs> over and over, Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Fill your word with God's heart. Psalm 118, 130, the entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. So what am I saying? Is so what you're going to do is when you're making a decision, you start writing down biblical principles. You'll say, I want to find what God's word has to say about this thing. So you're looking to, should I marry this person or not marry this person? Well, what does God say? Let's say you're a woman. What does God's will say, or What does God's word say about what a husband should be? And what you're going to do is you're going to look at those passages and say, this is the kind of of person I'm looking for, a person who believes these things. And then you start saying, hey, I want to be the right kind of wife, so I'm going to start looking at those things and, and making sure that I'm the right kind of person that someone would want to marry. And you begin to look at this. What happens is people fix on the who when they should be fixing on the what. What kind of person should I marry? And here's the thing is, once you've got that clear in your heart, and you meet a person and you begin to investigate their values and what they believe and the direction of their life and how they feel about the Lord, all of a sudden it be, starts to become really clear. Uh, in Bible college, there was a whole lot of girls that I said, Nope, 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 nope. And not just because they were ugly. I just want you to know I'm not superficial. I am not superficial. I was like, Lord, I'd like for her to be pretty, but if she isn't, if she's godly, that's enough. God gave me both, amen, hallelujah. (laughs) So, uh, but see, what happens is, is I began to see, and as I would interact with uh, young ladies, I'd say, you know what, that's just not the kind of person I think that God's word wants me to seek. And then when I found, I was like, hey, this seems like the right thing. The more I got to know it, just affirmed, confirmed, confirmed, and it really didn't take long, and I was like, that's the girl I'm gonna marry. (laughs) Uh, She knew right away, because she saw how handsome I was. It took me a little bit longer. (laughs) We all know that's not true, (laughs) So, what we want to do is when you study God's word, we want to study it in context. Now, uh, on the back table, I actually have nine principles of hermeneutics. You say, Herman who? Um, Hermeneutics, it's the study of God's word. And they're not complete by any stretch. You can find whole books on this, Uh, a lot of good resources out there. These are some things that I've assembled, but it's how to read the Bible in context. Now, uh, have you ever heard of Bible roulette? Um, that's where, kind of like a Russian roulette, uh, people will be saying, Lord, just show me from your word uh, what I should do. And they're like, "Uh," start reading. And oh, oh, God says here, he says, to go. That means I'm supposed to go and get that job. Okay, don't do that, okay? What you want to do is you want to get Bible principles based on good, solid application of a good, solid understanding of God's word. And as you do that, you'll begin to fill your life with principles, which, by the way, will help you in every other area of your life. Uh, These are good. Constantly filling your heart with truth and so that you know what God wants you to do. And then prayerfully apply it, okay? Um, Do this. As you're studying God's word, start to write down those principles. Check Bible resources. Get good commentaries and stuff to make sure you're not way off base. Uh, There have been times when I'm like, man, I just, I know, I know that this is what this says. And then I look and nobody on the planet thinks the way that I think about that. Uh, that's a pretty sure indicator I could be getting it wrong, okay? And, and listen, don't be the kind of person that says, well, God showed me. Listen, God isn't going to show you something that he never showed anybody else. Uh, God has been revealing his truth to a people throughout time, and uh, Christians, not only around you in your local church, but throughout history, should be affirming some of these things, okay? Um, so check Bible resources, make sure you're not way off. And then apply both the explicit and the implicit or the principles that might apply as well. And then prayerfully apply the truth. Okay, now, word of caution. Your, your understanding is not infallible. God's word is infallible and errant. Inerrant, okay? I mean, without error. But you could actually get it wrong. So just be willing to listen, and which brings me to uh, my next point. Actually, before I get there, um, i wrote i wrote a, something down to remind myself and it said this i'll take solid bible interpretation over god told me so anytime any day of the week any day of the week i'll take god's good interpretation good hermeneutical approach to scripture over well god told me this is what it means every single time huh, okay because i could be wrong and then seek wise counsel seek wise counsel um, ask people who know the Bible. <laughs> ask people who are well-grounded in the Word. Um, sometimes people don't get counsel because they think, well, if, if I get counsel, then that's other people telling me what I should do. I should just be able to, to all on my own, without any help, just come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, you can listen to the Holy Spirit. You can understand God's Word. No one has to, has to uh, and, you know, tell you we have no popes here okay uh that that have sole authority of god's word god made his word noble you can know it but just keep in mind that you're not infallible you're not inerrant you could be wrong so asking wise counsel is something like this Uh, i'm trying to make a decision i've applied all the principles that i can i'll go to someone else and say hey this is what this is my situation are there any principles that you can think of that might apply to my situation and they'll, and they'll say, well, have you thought about this? And as they're going through and giving me counsel from the Bible, they'll come up with a principle, or they'll show me a principle I haven't seen yet. And I'll say, I didn't even think of that. Okay, we're going to write that one down, okay? So now my thinking is becoming fuller as I'm getting counsel. And then I can go through and say, hey, okay, as I'm looking at these passages, this is what I'm gaining from this. This is what it seems to be saying. And they can look at it, and they can kind of help, and if they're like, hey, dude, that's like, I don't think anybody else has thought that but you, <laughs> Then you can say, okay, let me go back and restudy it, okay? So they're catching errors in my thinking. And then I'm saying, now, based on this, this is a kind of Bible logic that I'm using. This is kind of seemed to be where the Holy Spirit is steering me with this. And they can kind of say, okay, they can ask you additional questions. One of the best things that counselors do for me, they'll say, ask questions for understanding and questioning questions that stir my motive or get my, uh, question my motives, not in a mean way, like, are you sure you're doing this for the right reason? But they'll ask questions to get at my heart, like, why are you doing this? And they're, they're helping me check my motives. And there's been times where through counsel, people say, you know what, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you some follow-up questions. And they ask it, I know, I'm like, the more questions they ask, the more I'm like, I, I'm starting to see I've got a real problem here. I'm operating out of fear. I'm operating out of anger. I'm operating out of something that's not solid. Yes, I may have had Bible verses, but it's because my heart was inclined towards something, and after they're questioning me, it begins to open up my understanding and realize, you know what, I'm reading into the Scriptures what I want instead of letting the Word of God speak to me. And it's been very, very helpful for me. It saved me from some bad decisions. I've had people ask me just simple questions that just absolutely smote my heart. It's like, ugh, because they exposed my facade of wanting God's will when I really wanted my own way. And I'm thankful for that. It saved me. So get Bible counsel. And let me give you um, something to to think about, especially if you're younger. But this is for everyone, okay? Oftentimes we go to people that we know are going to affirm what we already want to hear. We selectively ask people, because they know they're going to, because of their friendship with us, or because they, you know, we hang around them because they tend to feel the same way about certain things. And so we ask them knowing that they're going to affirm what we already want to hear. Now, that takes me back to uh, 1 Kings 12 and King Rehoboam. You remember that story where um, it says that Solomon, Rehoboam's father, died, and he became king. And he's like, okay, The the elders of the city came to him and said, or the elders of Israel came to him and said, hey, listen, your dad put seriously heavy taxes on us, and it's really crushing us. Listen, if you want to gain the heart of the people, give them some tax relief. We could say that today too, right? (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. Uh, But but he said, uh, so Rehoboam said, okay, I've heard what you had to say. And he says, and then he went and asked the young men his own age. Now, here's the thing is, is there were men who had some experience, and there were young men who, because they were his own age, they had not yet had leadership and actually seen the hearts of the people. They kind of would just talk to each other, and everything seemed like it made sense when they talked to each other, but they didn't have the experience of life to show them that what those older men were saying were really true. And so they, he said, after all was said and done, that he rejected the advice of the older men in favor of the young men, and it ripped the kingdom apart. So let me just say this. Even old people can do older people can do this. Well, I talked to my friends and they all said I'm right. Be very cautious. It could be that they have the same issues you have. Go to other people that you think, these people are going to challenge my thinking. People, there are other people that are going to tell you what you want to hear because they're, they're trying to earn your approval. Don't go to those people. I mean, you can ask them too, but go to people you know that love you so much they're going to tell you the hard things whether you want to hear them or not. By the way, those have always been the people that really love you. Uh, people who've invested in your life, they care about you, and they're trying to help you in these ways. So um, sometimes, you know what you get? You get shared ignorance. I'm not trying to be mean. Uh, there were sometimes we we would get together in Bible college and, and like we'd be freshmen and sophomores in Bible college and we sit around the dorm and talk about how much we knew about theology. We were dumber than dirt, dumb as dirt. And, and 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 somebody who knew more theology could come and just destroy us in an instant. But because we all were ignorant, we all were like, yeah, 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 that's right. Then we talked to someone who really knew what they were talking about and they destroyed us in an instant. And we're like, uh here's the thing is be cautious about shared ignorance okay um, I, mean, I' say this especially for teens uh, make sure that's why God gave you parents not just friends <laughs> go to your parents they, they've got some wisdom um, and then uh, so uh, lastly just walk in wisdom okay now here's the thing is you know God gave you a conscience and God works in that conscience in order to help you make good choices uh, the conscience he gave you the law it says that the law excuses or accuses us. In other words, God's truth will work in the mind on our conscience to help us feel like, no, this isn't right, or this is right. Now, let me tell you, that's not infallible because he talks in other portions of Scripture about how our conscience could accuse us, although it shouldn't. And he says, uh, talking about uh, like Romans 14 and the the meat sacrifice to idols, he says you need to inform your conscience so sometimes your conscience can be wrong. And let me tell you to be careful of something else forcing your conscience on somebody else's conscience. God gives us freedom in certain areas, we got to give each other freedom. And demanding of someone which God does not ultimately or absolutely demand is something we shouldn't do. So you may feel really strongly about it, but telling everyone else you got to live you got to do it this way is not fair. <laughs> and it's not really biblical and it's not loving your neighbor as well. Um so uh God, can I say it this way? Use biblically informed common sense. <laughs> God gave you conscience, and he gave you common sense. Well, most people. Most people have common sense. Some, you wonder. Um, but here's the thing is, be sensitive to God's direction. He works out his redemptive will. Um, and God sometimes does work through it. Now, let me talk about some of those signs and, and things like, you know, what about Gideon? What about his fleece? Should I say, Lord, if you really want me to do this, then, you know, put out a piece of animal skin and says, make it dry on one side and wet on the other. Now make it dry on the other side and wet on the other. Uh, No, I don't think you should do that. I I don't think that's wise. During some times in in Bible history, God used means like that to help direct people. But let me just tell you, the reason he did so was because of the frailness of our humanity. Uh, That's not something he wants you to keep on repeating. It's something he gave to Gideon because Gideon just didn't have the confidence to do it. He was scared. And so, God, in his infinite love, said, Gideon, I want to use you. I get it. I'm going to go ahead and give this sign to you because you need this, okay? And so, but normally, God just works through very common means, common grace. God just works his will out. He's He's moving in this world to carry out his will, and he puts... Uh, directs us in those ways, and if we're following Him, it just we sort of happen. You say, "But what if I miss it? What if what if I miss an opportunity?" Well, here's the thing: is sometimes we do miss opportunities, and sometimes uh, because of our poor choices, we will actually limit our opportunities. Uh, you know, Moses did strike the rock when he said to speak to it, and he told Moses, "You you won't you won't be entering the land." He missed an opportunity. Aaron also was judged, and he says, "You're you're going to die before." you you get to the land Uh, those uh, leaders who said uh, we're not going to enter the land because we're scared of the giants that live there remember what happened to them all the people that were part of the decision making it says that they died in the wilderness some of them were killed immediately now here's the thing is if you selfishly say god i know this is what you want me to do but i'm not going to do it you're going to miss opportunities but let me just tell you this Don't think, it's wrecked my life for all eternity. It's like a butterfly wing. You know, once you get one wave, it stirs the leaves, and the leaves stir the trees, and then the next thing you know, a tornado. It's not like that, (laughs) okay? It's more more like this. You may miss that opportunity, but you just confess and repent, and God will steer you back into his will. You may miss future opportunities because of decisions that you made. There are people that you meet in prison that are awesome, amazing people that love the Lord, but they made choices, and they're going to be there for a while. So, but don't be gripped with the fear of missing God's will. Instead, say, I'm going to delight in God's will. I'm going to delight in in his will. I'm just going to do everything he told me to do. That's very plain. And then God's going to just show me. Uh, And so, uh, and plus, there's no right will on many things. Like, I I don't think you should say, Lord, is it your will for me to buy this car? You should ask, Lord, is it your will for me to take on debt? Is it Your will for me to buy something this expensive, and then you're going to look at biblical principles of finances. But what you don't have to say is like, Lord, should I get the red one or the blue one? Don't worry about that. If it's a Toyota, just buy it. I mean, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Here's the thing: is is I see it more like this. Uh, God's word are kind of like you ever, uh, you know, for all you bad bowlers out there, you ever bowled with it, you know, because of my kids, put the bumper rails up. because of my kids you know they're really bad bowlers me i'm really good but the bumpers were up for the kids (laughs) and and kind of god's word just kind of says hey within this range this is god's will this is what's plain. and within that just choose whatever you can delight in if it if it it's obedient to god's word in the whole just buy a ford if that's what you really want It's it's a terrible mistake but you can buy it if you want to some of you go, no, you didn't mention my, my favorite brand. I'm just joking. But here's the thing is, if it's, you know, and so I'm just going to real quick just tell you um, some things you can do. Gather all the information you can. Gather biblical data. So this is how it works in real life. Just say, what does God's word say about this? Now, don't be worried. Don't be lazy. Gather, really gather information. But don't be worried like, what if I missed a verse and that was the one verse no, don't do that to yourself, okay? Just gather biblical data. Gather all the informational data you can. There's a lot of times, um, <clears throat> before we came here, we actually wanted to go out to Colorado. We actually went to a church, candidate a church in Colorado, and before I went there, I was sure this is where God was gonna take us. I was so excited. I, I was like, man, this is what I've been praying for. I wanted to go to the West, and, and, and this is it. And I went to that church fully expecting we're gonna be here, but pretty much I know this is where God wants us. But during the time I was there, I gathered information, and it became very clear to me this was not the right place for us. I won't go into all the reasons why, but it became very clear to me that God already had a plan in mind, and it wasn't me. And and you know what? That was okay. It was very freeing because I gathered. In my heart, I looked at my biblical motives, looked at what God's will is as a whole, tried to obey those things. Then when I gathered information, it was there that I saw, yeah, I don't think this would be the best choice for us. And guess what? It wasn't long that we were here. Somebody was saying, "Oh, I wish you went to Colorado." Well, maybe so, but I'm here. Okay, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> uh, so, prayerfully and accurately apply God's word. That's what we prayerfully you're asking the Holy Spirit to apply it, so you live it and you understand it. But then you're also going to do it accurately. We're not going to we're not going to take verses out of context and make it say something it doesn't say. We're going to understand it. And if you need help doing that, there's lots of people in our church that will help you do that. And then get some biblical counsel. Say, hey, a trusted Bible friend, hey, am I looking at this right? Now, don't tell, listen, if someone comes to you, don't tell them, I think you should do this. That's not helping them. And it may influence them in the wrong way. Just say, okay, well, what does God's word say about it? What what do you know about this? And as you gather information, lay it out and say, Lord, this is all I know. I'm going to make the best decision I can. And then get, you know what this, go home, get a good night's sleep, and don't worry about it. I used to worry myself to, I mean, to where I was just, uh, I was in, you know, I don't know what it says, I want to say, I was just a mess, because I was so worried I was going to do the wrong thing, don't do that to yourself, go the right direction, use wisdom, use common sense, gather the information, get some counsel, and then just do it, and let me just want to end with a couple passages, Uh, oh yeah, walk wisely, don't worry about it, (laughs) just walk in wisdom, use Bible common sense. Oh, no, where's my verses? Oh, there they are. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on in your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him. Live with the knowledge of God, okay? And he will direct your paths. (laughs) Literally, it's this. He'll make your path smooth. Now, I'm not saying easy. Smooth has the idea of this. He'll lay out a well-marked path for you. It's a a well-worn path so you can tell, hey, this is where I'm supposed to go. If you're just following God, he's going to show you. He'll steer you in the right direction. Don't worry about it okay? And then he says, fear the Lord and depart from evil, okay? If you're wanting to do God's will, he'll make sure you get it, okay? And then Psalm 37, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So let me say it this way. As you study God's word, he'll shape your heart so that you begin to want the things that he wants. And then all you have to do is follow the desires of your heart. Now listen, that's not infallible, but what I'm saying is this. If the Word of God shapes your heart. Follow your spirit-shaped heart. Okay? Now, your heart can be wrong, and it can be sinful. That's why we're saying word-shaped. So in other words, check the Word of God and see what it says. Okay? <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's been a little bit of a help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close, um, Lord, I'm thankful for people who really want God's... Uh, God, they want your will. They really do. Uh, Lord, sometimes we can really make ourselves anxious by wondering are we doing the right thing and lord there's a balance here there's a balance from being so uh, cold and calculating with god's word that we're like i'm not even gonna pray about i just know what's right because god's word is plain well it's important that we know god's word but we also have to be sensitive to working of the spirit but then there's also a, a ditch on that side too where we can become so subjective we end up doing things that are just thoughts in our heart, thoughts in our head, instead of really Bible truth that we're following. So God, help us to find that that ground where we are following your word, applying it every day, letting it shape our understanding and thinking of things, but we're also listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit steering us so that you can work out your redemptive will. God, you want us to grow in grace. And Lord, you use us through spiritual gifts in the local church to help invest in other people's lives. So, Lord, help us to allow you to steer us into the right places so that we really accomplish your will. But then, Lord, let, let us just walk wisely and let us not worry, because that does no good. Knowing this, that if we get off track, you said you disciplined every son you love. You'll get us back on track. If we get off, you'll get us back on and if we, we think we've missed something, an opportunity, if we're submitted to you, God, you're going to bring more opportunities. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just commit to seeking you and your word, commit to doing your will, to being led by the Holy Spirit, to be controlled, filled with him, and uh, and do good in this world as we do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, um, Lord willing. Um, now, next week, I uh, will not be here, so please pray. Uh, Caleb's going to be bringing the message that week, and so you want to be here. Uh, you know, he, his heart's are real fired up. He's been at the wilds, and he's heard lots of good Bible preaching and, and singing and prayer, and, and those things really do, uh, there's a lot of excitement. And so you come and hear what God's put on his heart. And, uh, and I hope you have a wonderful week this week, and it's blessed. We're dismissed.